Well, this morning we're continuing a series uh, called Messy Emotions. And uh, last week we talked about anger. This week we'll be talking about anxiety. And the, the goal of uh, this sermon series is not just to, to talk through different emotions that we struggle with and maybe point you uh, towards some, um, some methods where you can manage your emotions. That's not our goal. Our goal is to share the gospel together and talk about how these messy emotions are impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So life is messy, and more often than not, uh, our emotions reveal that we don't have it all together. Um, St. Augustine said, Augustine says that our emotions are like smoke from a fire. I like that expression um, because when, you, when the smoke signals go up, we ought to give attention to what's really burning underneath. Uh, so you, you might also would say that your anxiety or your emotions are kind of like the check engine light on your car. Uh, when, that, when that signal, when that light goes off, it's just telling you, hey, there's, there's something under the hood that needs some attention. There's something that's not quite right. So um, these messy emotions are the same way. When we feel anxious or when we feel angry, we ought to pay attention, not just ignore that. We ought to pay attention and dig a little deeper. Uh, I've got my shovel over there. Last week I brought out a shovel and it was labeled Why? And so our, our objective is to kind of dig down into these emotions and see why we're feeling this way, why we're acting this way, and get to the root cause. And then once we get there, what we'll do is we'll try to see how the gospel of Jesus meets us at the messy roots of our emotions. So what is the gospel? We've recently summarized it this way. We're going to stick with that at least for one more week. Um, the summary uh, from a few weeks ago was, do you remember? You ready? Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Let's just refresh our memory. You ready? Hold up your hands. Come on. Let's do it together. Ready? Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. That's a summary of the gospel message. It's not the only way to summarize it, but it's the way we're, we're using it right now. This is good news. So if it is good news, how does this good news impact your anxiety, my anxiety, those around us? How does the gospel guard your heart? And how can I share this good news of Jesus with someone else who's feeling buried in their worry or anxiety? So I do want to be clear today, anxiety is real. And it's complex. It's not a, a simple issue. Our bodies and our souls um, are inseparably integrated. And what the body uh, deals with, the soul also deals with, and vice versa. What the soul, what your spirit man is dealing with, it impacts your body as well. What I don't want to do today is oversimplify. I don't want to suggest that professional counseling is not needed. And I don't want to suggest that in some circumstances, real medication is not helpful. Instead, what we want to do is get to the spiritual roots of the issue. All right, so the spiritual root of the issue, one of the things that we would say is that um, anxiety, the roots of anxiety is unbelief. The root of anxiety is a lack of faith or is unbelief. Now, I don't want to say that and make you feel guilty like you need to believe more. That's, that's not really the message that I want to present. What I do want to present is I want to present God in the form of Jesus Christ as 
trustworthy. He is worthy of your trust. God is worthy of your trust. So as we begin this morning, we're, we're digging into what, what's at the bottom. And I want us to take a real honest look into our hearts. Be open to the truth of God's word. And I believe we can find some real healing for anxiety. Last week, I asked you to raise your hands about anger. I'm not going to do that this week. Um, but I do want you to do this. I do want you to just lean in. How many of you believe today that the truth of the Word of God can start you down a path of freedom from anxiety? Who believes that today? Anybody believe that? The truth of God's Word has the power to set you free. Well, I want to help us to see that the gospel proves that God is trustworthy. That's the goal. And here's the deal. Because if He's in control... You don't have to be. If God is in control, you don't have to be. So let's talk about anxiety. I want to turn your attention to um, one of Jesus' most famous teachings. It's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. So find your place in God's Word and uh, let's stand together and read from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, the reason we stand at the reading of God's Word is because it's the most important thing you'll hear today. And we stand in honor of God's holy word. What we're about to read is perfect and it has power to transform your life. Now you'll be seated in a moment and you'll hear my words, which may or may not help you. But the word of God is powerful. So we stand in honor of God's word. Matthew 6, first we'll start in verse 25 and read to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither toil, uh, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore... Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Father, we ask you this morning just to guide our thoughts. Um, we thank you for the truth of your word, the, the promise of Scripture, the, the, the commands from Christ himself to not be anxious. And that command is reassured by the comfort of a loving, caring father. So, Lord, we um, today we genuinely just want to lay our anxiety down at your feet. 
God, that's not easy. So we ask you this morning to help us to do it. Help us, God, to obey your commands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this week I posted on social media a little video and I asked you guys to uh, answer what makes you anxious. And we got a number of comments, but what I was most surprised by was I got more comments and more feedback uh, in a private way. Maybe private messages or text messages or phone calls. I got more feedback in a private way. It seems that people wanted me to know the answer to the question, but didn't really want to make all that public. So what I'm going to do is tell you all what the answers were, <laughs> but without any names, of course. So I want to share with you some of the things that, uh, that you are anxious about. First one was money. And the question is, will we have enough for fill in the blank? Another person said, I'm anxious about finding a job and I'm still trying to make ends meet. I'm just, I'm nervous about being able to provide. Another one was parenting. This one was, a lot of people said this, um, how can I really know what's best for my kids? I'm anxious. Another one was, we're still trying to have a baby. We want to have a baby. We're very anxious. Another one is afraid of losing another baby. Anxious about real, real things. Another one said, I'm afraid of being alone. Another one commented and said, I am alone. My spouse has just died and I'm afraid. Another one um, says, will I ever find a spouse? Single, wanting to get married and feeling very anxious about it. Another one says, how do I get rid of my spouse? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think my wife sent that one in. <laughs> Somebody says, I'm struggling in juggling all the mom, wife, homemaker responsibilities. There's just so much to do. I just don't know how to manage it all. I'm, I'm anxious. Another one says, I'm anxious about what people think about me. I'm so insecure. Another one says, I'm really honestly just afraid to fail. And on and on and on the list goes. These are your answers to what makes you anxious. Anxiety is one of those problems that seems to give birth to lots of other problems. Um, John Piper said this. I want to quote him. He said, think about how many other sins are connected to the root sin of anxiety. Anxiety about money will cause you to hoard or steal. Anxiety about succeeding will make you irritable and impatient with those around you. Anxiety about your relationships will make you withdrawn or indifferent toward other people. Anxiety about what others think about you will make you lie or stretch the truth. I love this statement. He said, if anxiety could be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many other sins. And so today I want us to dig into what Jesus teaches us about anxiety. So the first thing on your sermon notes there is number one, Jesus commands, do not be anxious. In this passage we're looking at in Matthew 6, there's actually four very clear places where he says either do not be anxious or he says, uh, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life. The unusual part of about this command is that commanding a person's emotions is nearly impossible, right? Emotions are sometimes very involuntary. You, you don't intend to be anxious. Honestly, you probably don't want to be anxious. So most of us would probably hear Jesus' commands and we probably would respond, Okay, I'd really like to obey that. 
Please help me to not be anxious. So when we hear Jesus say, don't be anxious, it sounds like he's saying, stop it. I was telling our group on Wednesday night uh, about a video clip, and I decided I'd, I want to just show it to you. This is uh, uh, one of my favorite old video clips of Bob Newhart. Anybody remember Bob Newhart? All right. Oh, good. Good. So Bob Newhart plays the part of a psychiatrist, and he's counseling a lady, and it's pretty funny. So check this out. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. <laughs> So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic? Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Okay. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, you find most people can... I can't remember. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. <laughs> so, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is it. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. And stop. So when we hear Jesus' commands um, to not be anxious, it may sound a little bit like that. Stop it, right? Um, and it'd be amazing if we could just stop it. But anxiety is a powerful thing, and it, would be, uh, it has to be continuously fought back. But we can't fight an enemy that we can't identify. And so I really want us to dig down, dig down deep to what's at the root cause of our anxiety. And what we discover is that the root of all anxiety is unbelief. When you look at this text in Matthew 6, what we see is that uh, Jesus points to that pretty clearly in verse 30. He says, If God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, and in this little phrase, O you of little faith. So what we discover here is um, at the bottom of our anxiety is actually unbelief. Last time in our sermon, our message about anger, we dug down and what we realized is that anger actually stems out of our love. What we said is you get angry about the things that you care about. So uh, just like I get angry when somebody threatens my children or something along those lines. The reason I'm angry is because I love my, love my babies. 
And what we decided is that we really need to look at our loves to see if our love is right or not right. If we have a righteous love, then that anger that comes out is right. And the scriptures actually say, be angry and do not sin. But in this case, when we get to the bottom here with anxiety, when we look deeply, we could say that anxiety shows who you trust. Anxiety shows who you trust. Look at the beginning of this passage in in Matthew 6. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because we'll we'll spend some more time on this next week. But it starts with the word, therefore. So we need to notice that this whole passage is linked to what Jesus says just before it. Um, When you see the word, therefore, an old preacher said, you need to see what it's there for. All right, so... That's what we'll do. I want us to look a a few verses before this talk about anxiety and see what Jesus says. And so in Matthew 6, 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now look carefully at the next verse. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So then the connecting word, therefore, takes us right into this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So the connecting principle here is that money is dangerous. Why? Because we tend to put our trust in our money. We tend to put our stuff in what we in our trust in what we have and our ability to take care of ourselves. If you've got a lot of money in your pocket, you don't tend to be worried about things. But when there's no money there, there's a lot of anxiety. And Jesus is telling us you can't trust your money. Treasures on earth, moth and rust and thieves, there's a lot to be worried about. Treasures in heaven, there's none of that. Where your treasure is, he says, there your heart will be also. So money's a good thing, but money's not a God thing. You cannot have two masters. Money is a deceiver. It promises to provide food, clothing, shelter. But it can really be destroyed or stolen and taken away. um, Or it can just corrupt your heart. So one quick question about money, just to to check your heart real quick. Um, We won't talk long about this, but are you a generous person? Do you give freely? And joyfully. Do you tithe? Like, do you give regularly to the church of what God has given you? Is there a set amount you say, God, this is yours no matter what? These are, these are good indicators for you. Kind of a thermostat on the wall to tell you what's the temperature in how much trust you put in your money. How much stock do you put in your money? Am I a generous person? Do I give or do I hoard? See, all of this, the money conversation, but really all of this is about who you trust. It's all about what are you looking to for security and satisfaction? Who do you trust, God 
or yourself, your money or God? Who's it going to be? We read earlier the, the, the passage in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, and I want to tell you what it says. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. You're either trusting in the Lord with all your heart, or you're leaning on your own understanding. You're you're leaning on what you think is best. So here's the thing. When you take control, you're not trusting God to handle it. And the truth is we all struggle here, I feel like. We probably all struggle with our desire to take control. So in the face of Jesus' commands, do not be anxious, knowing that at the root is a lack of faith, unbelief, Maybe it would be best for us to pray like the man whose son um, was struggling to be healed. I don't know if you remember this story, but the disciples tried to heal him. He was epileptic, or so to speak. I mean, he had seizures, and uh, he'd thrown himself in the fire, thrown himself in the water, and the disciples couldn't heal him, couldn't cast out the demons, and they brought him to Jesus. And um, the, the father of this boy, Jesus says, I can, I can heal him if you believe. And the father says, Lord, I believe, but what? Help my unbelief. I think when the, when the check engine light of anxiety goes off in your heart and you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel stressed, that's a really good prayer. Knowing the root of it, it's a really good prayer to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. In this moment, I'm worried that you're not going to handle this. In this moment, I'm worried that I I need to take control because right now I'm just not trusting you. So that's a good way to pray. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to give you a scripture memory verse. Our kids memorize verses every week. So I want to give you a memory verse. Psalm 56, 3. You should see it on the the handout. Um, This is a great one to pray. Here's what it says. When I am afraid... I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. It's a good one just to pray. Psalm 56, 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Jesus says in Matthew 6, when um, life is pulling you down, lift your focus up. He calls us to seek the kingdom. So look at what he says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious. Jesus calls us to seek the kingdom. He's he's telling us that right priorities bring peace. Right priorities bring peace. So that's what he said in the very beginning when he said, um, lay up treasures in heaven. And he kind of bookends this whole teaching about anxiety by saying the same thing. Seek the kingdom. First, lay up treasures in heaven, seek the kingdom. Right priorities will bring peace. Second thing I wanted to tell you this morning is that Jesus points us in this text to the goodness of the Father. So the second thing in your sermon guide is he points us to the goodness of the Father. I don't know if we recognize how revolutionary this is, but... um, In this same chapter, in Matthew 6, at the beginning of the chapter, he uh, teaches us how to pray. And 
in his teaching, he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And he goes on and he, he begins this prayer in verse nine. He says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus begins this prayer with our father. And then when we look through our text that we're looking at today in Matthew six, the comfort he continually offers to us is Yet your heavenly father takes care of the birds. Your father clothes the lilies of the field. The Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly father knows what you need. He's continually comforting us with the goodness of the character of the father. Now, how many of you just show of hands? I want to make sure you're still with me, still awake. How many of you, when you pray, you say father? Anybody pray that way? All right. I do. That's a, that's a typical way. Sometimes I'll, I'll say Lord God or something along those lines. But I, I like to think and call him father. I like to frame my prayers in terms of me as a son and him as a loving father. Super helpful for me. Jesus teaches us to pray that way. But here's the deal. This is revolutionary. Up until this point, God is not called father. He's called Elohim, he's called Jehovah, he's called El Shaddai, he's called Adonai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Makadesh. He's called all these names that are incredible, beautiful names. But Father, intimate, loving, caring, Father is new. And Jesus is introducing a new way to talk to God in the new covenant, in the New Testament. This is amazing, and I, I don't think we get it because we're so ingrained in our, in our Christian culture, our, our New Covenant culture. We don't get how revolutionary that is. Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, the one who created the world listens to you like a daddy. We've got to get a hold of that. My children can run to me And know they can trust that there's going to be a loving reception of them. I'm going to give my attention to my babies. I'm their father. How much more so then the heavenly father is going to give loving, caring attention to the needs of his children. Jesus pointed to this in another time in scripture when he says uh, even earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. How many of you, when your children ask for bread, give him a snake? How many of you, when your kids ask for fish, give him a rock? Well, if you, being evil, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts, how much more the heavenly Father? The point here is that the character of our our God is good. He is a good Father. And Jesus gives us some examples. He says, look at the birds. The Father feeds them. Consider the lilies. The Father clothes them. Don't think like Gentiles who are worried about food, drink, and clothing. Don't worry about all that. That's the way unbelievers think. You have a Father who knows what you need. This is incredibly comforting. Um, And then Jesus asks these rhetorical questions that are intended to remind us that the Father cares. He asks them, are you not of more value than birds? Does being anxious add to your life? And he says, if the father takes care of the flowers, how much more will he care for you? 
It reminds me, a few years ago, we took our kids to Orlando, and we had a, a day, maybe, maybe it's two days, at Disney. Um, and Disney is the most overpriced and yet incredible experience ever. Uh, anybody agree? Disney's a blast. Like, I love, I love Disney. It's fun. But it costs a fortune, right? Uh, I, I, I was thinking through this and just remembering standing in line for, like, Tinkerbell or something, because I have three girls, and we're standing in line for that, and we're waiting for hours, and uh, the line is long, and my girls start teaming up on me. They're like, Daddy, we're starving. We're so hungry. And it goes on for a, a couple of minutes, and one of, Reagan or one of them looks up and says, Daddy, don't you even care that we're starving? And I thought to myself, yeah, um, of course. I paid all this money to bring you to Disney so that you would die in line for Tinkerbell. Yeah, that's the logic here, right? Um, I wanted to spend loads of money so that we would die right here in line. Um, and the, the point here is, isn't just being here at Disney proof that I care? And yet somehow in this moment where we, we're, we're an hour past our lunch break, the normal time that you eat, you're going to hurl assaults at me as if I don't care. And the irony is that this is exactly the way anxiety bleeds into our faith in a good father. We lose sight of his goodness in the moment of panic. We forget that he does care. I, I put two texts in your, in your notes and um, see if you remember these stories. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha are preparing a meal for Jesus. And when he shows up, Martha's in the kitchen. She's like, Jesus, I'm in here cooking everything. And I don't, Mary's not doing anything. Can you tell her to get in here? I've got all these dishes. She's just stressed. And Jesus says to her in Luke 10, he says, um, he says she's anxious about many things. But Mary has chosen the one thing that matters. But what I want you to see is actually what Martha says. To Jesus, And I want to quote her. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Do you see that? Lord, do you not care? Daddy, do you not care that we're dying? Jesus, do you not care about my situation? It's like as soon as our world seems like it's out of control... What we do is we assault the character of our God. And Jesus wants us to see that we have a good Father. Another passage in mind is uh, Mark chapter 4. The disciples are in the boat. Uh, Jesus told them, let's cross the Sea of Galilee. We want to get to the other side. I've got a few things to do over there. When they get in the boat, he's sleepy. So he lays down, he goes to sleep. Well, a huge storm comes up. The disciples panic. They're throwing things overboard. They finally go and they wake up Jesus. Jesus! And here's what they say. Do you not care that we're dying? This is a common thread in our stress and anxiety. is an attack on the character of our God. And so Jesus gives to us the comfort of knowing that we have a God who cares. We are anxious when we don't believe God cares. That's when we're anxious. The question we constantly ask God is, don't you care? Don't you care? I want to point us to a scripture 
right now that's in line with, um, with the whole rhetorical questioning that Jesus is doing here in Matthew 6. He says, if, if God clothes the lilies, how much more would He clothe you? If God takes care of the, the, the grass and the birds, how much more would He care for you? And in the same line, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 32, he says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? The ultimate display of the loving care of our God is that He gave His own Son. He is a Father who cares more than you know. And thirdly, what I want to talk to us about is the gospel of peace meets, meets us in the fog of anxiety. If you've ever been in a place of anxiety, it's like a fog. It's like trying to drive through that heavy fog in the morning. You switch from high beam to low beam. You got the wipers going. You're kind of looking. You might even roll the window down and your head out. You just can't see. The anxiety, the fog of anxiety is just so hard to see clearly. And the gospel of peace brings us back to who we should trust. Who should we trust? God or ourselves? I want you to grab your Bibles. I want to take you to one, one other quick passage of Scripture as we're finishing this morning. Go to Philippians chapter 4. We had such a beautiful time on Wednesday night um, walking through some of these passages and just talking it out together. And uh, I want to just give a plug for our, our Wednesday night gathering. I want to encourage you. It's not for just for youth or or whomever is for everybody. Um, we do have some child care here provided, but I'd encourage you to come at six o'clock. It's just conversation. No, I'm not preaching at anybody. We're talking through these concepts and through these scriptures. And uh, this particular Wednesday night, I loved, I felt like um, some of you were teaching me so much. I loved the, some of the truth that Paul was sharing and others were, were sharing on Wednesday. It was really, really helpful for me. I want us to look at Philippians 4, um, specifically in 6 and 7. Uh, the Apostle Paul here reiterates Jesus' command, do not be anxious. And in verse 6 he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so just to walk through this text really quickly, it says, don't be anxious, instead pray. Let God know what's on your heart. Be thankful. And then here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you're anxious, pray. Um, prayer is humility in action. Prayer at the bottom line is, um, is leaning into a relationship with a good God, but it is saying, I can't and you can. 
So it's humility in action. The apostle reminds us here, he says, then remember his blessings and be thankful. There's nothing like gratitude to remind you that God is good. He has been good. He can be good and he will be good. God is good. I'm, I'm thinking now, I'm, re- I'm reminded, I'm, I'm remembering all the ways that God has blessed me. So now I'd be thankful. And gratitude is a guardian of the heart. And then the next thing he says is, let your request be made known to God. Now, what does that mean? Because it's not, not as if God doesn't already know it. So what does he mean by let it be made known? Well, it literally means to entrust it to God. To entrust, to release your control and trust that not only does he know your needs, but he's good enough to take care of it. Release control. I want to make a statement. I want this to really sink in with us. This is a big deal. You can either have control or you can have peace, but you can't have both. You can either have control or you can have peace, but you can't have both. When we fight for control in our lives, it's because we're not believing that he's good enough to handle it. And when we got a hold of that steering wheel, there's anxiety. There's worry. When we release our control, God promises peace. Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. I love that verse. So when you're anxious, trust in God's promises. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's promise of peace finds its certainty in Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, I think it's verse 20, says all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of a promising God. So how does all this connect us to the gospel? How does all of this connect to the gospel and how does the gospel bring comfort to someone who's battling anxiety? So what did we say the gospel is? The gospel is bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. I'm a bad person. You're a bad person. When I'm in control, bad things happen. When I'm leading the charge, things don't go well. I mess things up. That's just the truth. Bad people can be made right. What does that mean? Well, at the bottom, here's what it means. It means we're made right with God um, Our sins are forgiven and we're made right before God. But broader than that, it means that even in my failures, God is in control. How many of you know, how many of you know this to be true? God can take a mess and make a masterpiece. Anybody know that to be true? Anybody thankful that that's true? Let me tell you something. Your pastor is a mess. I'm a mess. My life is a mess. And were it not for the grace of God, it'd be a a disaster. But God can take a mess and work his magic. Bad people can be made right 
God specializes in turning messes into masterpieces. It's, it's what He does. And I can trust God. If I can trust God with my eternity, surely I can trust Him with today. Think about the logic of that. You're willing to trust Him to save you for all eternity. But somehow the problem of today is too big. If God can make you right... In the inner part of who you are, your salvation, if He can handle that, He can handle anything. Thirdly, He's good. He's a good God. God is not distant. He's a caring Father. Because I know He cares, I can tell Him what worries me. I can give Him my worries. He knows my needs and He cares about it. 1 Peter 5, 7 says we're to... To be casting our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. He's a good God. And all of that finds its completion, its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. In Jesus alone. If God sent His Son to die for you, what won't He do? If God sent His Son to die in your place... What won't He do for you? What do you still have to be worried about? The gospel brings things into perspective and helps us to see that our God is trustworthy. We can give Him our burdens. He's big enough to handle it. His shoulders are broad enough to bear whatever is weighing you down. Let it go. God can be trusted one of the things that's on our banner out there out front that we as a people strive to be we want to be a people who rest in the hope of Jesus Christ we rest in his hope we're not working for it we're resting in hope we rest in what he has done so the answer to your worry is not a life free from trouble that's not what Matthew 6 teaches Jesus actually says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. He doesn't say tomorrow's not going to have any worries. He says God is big enough for your tomorrow. It's going to have problems, but you've got a big enough God to meet you there. God is good and he's worthy of our trust. So what do we do with this? Today, I'm praying for you. If you're buried in anxiety let it go first thing you need to do number one you need to look up Jesus said heavenly priorities bring peace seek first the kingdom all these things will be added to you seek first lay up treasures in heaven don't let the stuff of this life bog you down right priorities bring peace second thing you need to let it go Release your control. This requires some humility. You've got to humble yourself and pray. God, I can't, but you can. Then cast your anxiety on a caring God. Number three, you need to trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him. He is trustworthy. Anxiety is a symptom of a sickness of unbelief. It is unbelief. And maybe you're here and you're saying, but I, I believe the gospel. I've trusted in Christ. And what I'm telling you is the gospel is more than a starting point. It's, it's the race we run. 
And we've got to continually trust in Jesus every day. Every day I've got to get up and say, Lord, I trust you today. I know you've rescued my soul, but I don't want to take the reins of my life today. I want to trust you today. We need to trust him. Maybe in this room there's somebody here who's never trusted Christ with your sin. You're trusting in yourself. That, you know, in the end, everything's going to work itself out. It won't unless you give it to God. He's already worked it out if you give it to God. Release all of that. Trust in Jesus today. Here's the mantra over the message, and this is how I want to finish. Jesus Christ is trustworthy. You can trust Him. Trust Him.